0: When we, when we come to church, our greatest need is always the same. Um, our greatest need is for God, for God. Um, one of the most important things for us in our lives, in our sanctification, in our pursuit for God is to identify the things in our lives that are competing with God, that are competing with God. And they are oftentimes subtle for us, even as believers, right? They, w- they won't come in ugly, raw forms like the the devil, all red with horns and a tail, where we can easily identify and say, "Oh, that is wrong." They'll oftentimes be subtle, but they'll oftentimes be things that are calling us to take our confidence away from God and to put our confidence in something other than God. To, to, to stop looking to him as our hope. And look to things that maybe are from him, are kind of around him, even related to him, but are not exactly him. The book of Colossians is really about that. It's, it's, a, it's a letter that Paul is writing to a church that has gotten deluded, or at least is in the danger of being distracted away from Jesus and all of his awesomeness in 21st century language, right? Or supremacy, preeminence. And are being called to other things. They are sophisticated, they're kind of theological, they're kind of philosophical, they're kind of really clever, they're new, right? And, And it's all happening in church in the name of God. And what's happening for them is they're slowly starting to shift their confidence, their hope, their assurance, their boasting away from the person of Jesus to other things that are kind of related. There's so many different angles to take with that massive truth. Today what we are doing is we are looking at especially the path of sanctification as it relates to Jesus. And how it is that we as believers can pursue Christ-likeness, can pursue sanctification like Christians. It's so often that we do it not really like Christians. We can take the commands in scripture and seek to apply them or pursue them, but do so in many ways really like a Jewish guy would, like a Muslim guy even would, or like just a good guy would but not quite the way a Christian guy should. And so as we're reading this, I want us to see how that massive truth, which is where we are headed, come behold him, is really the whole point, right? See him, be amazed by him, be in awe of him, let your confidence be in him, boast in him. That's really the conclusion of where we're going. So if you have your Bible sent to Colossians in chapter 2, I want to dive right into the middle of a sentence. We'll go and, 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 and read a bit more context, but right in the middle of a sentence here, verse 19, verse 19 of chapter 2, says this, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. I know, it's the middle of a sentence, so it's not how to preach. Right? Here's what Paul is saying. There is the kind of growth that comes from God. Saints, is that the kind of growth you're pursuing? There is a way to mature, to pursue sanctification that is only attained and can only be attained through the words in this verse by holding Fast to the head. And the head here is Jesus. He's the head of the church. Only that. This is how to grow. No ten steps to this. Or five steps to that. There's only one way to grow like a Christian. This is Christian sanctification. Here is how it works. You hold fast To Jesus. This is what the problem is in this church. They're holding fast to a whole bunch of things. Their path towards growth is through other things, other means. There are other new, clever, devised things that they are looking to, impressed by. And Paul is saying, Z, uh uh-uh, doesn't work like that. You have forgotten Jesus. You can think about the way he writes to to other churches. Think about First Corinthians, for example, when they are caught up in sexual immorality. How does he speak to them? He, he asks them, do you not what? Do you not? No. Do you not? Like, there's something true about you, O church in Corinth, that you clearly have forgotten about. There's something so powerful, so amazing, so transformative that you have lost sight of before he simply tells them to stop doing or committing sexual immorality, it starts off before the action, before the fruit level. It starts off from what they are knowing. There's something they have forgotten. There are certain things that are taking light. And in Corinth, it's about what they have become in Jesus. There's a way to grow. And that way to grow comes from holding fast to the head. I mainly have two points and then some concluding remarks today. And The one is know yourself and the other one is know his will. Know God's will. Know yourself and know God's will. Uh, it's Calvin who said, and these are I think are statements that sort are of kind of really overarching type statements that, that you could use to understand so much of Christianity. He says, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. So saints, first and foremost, if we are going to grow, we need to know who we are, who we are, as the stuff that Paul is going to be laying out for them here. Go with me back to chapter 1 of the book of Colossians. And and see the truths that he says about them. This is chapter 1 and verse 21. Listen to these words. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is who you are. You once were something, and you are now something else. What were you once? Three things you once upon a time were. What are they? You were alienated, you were hostile, and what were you doing? You're doing evil deeds. Alienated is important because that's really the whole point of Colossians. The union with Christ that we have is the big deal. Everything about us is going to be defined by the fact that because we are in Christ, everything has changed. So this is your former state. Your former state is you were alienated. You remember those words again in chapter chapter 2, right? It's all about holding fast to Christ. That's who you are. It's your all-in-all. Once upon a time, you had nothing to hold on to. Once upon a time, you were outside of Christ. You were apart from Christ. You were separated from God. You were alienated. And this is the state that you were in. By nature, internally, you were hostile. And so naturally, one who is alienated from Christ, one who by nature is hostile towards God, what would he be expected to be doing? Evil deeds, that naturally flowed out of that. As we talk about sanctification, it's important to realize that that was what your state was. Listen, there is no patching that up. We're clear. There's no remedy for that through a a 10-step process of destroying your bad habits. You need way more than that. A accountability meeting on Monday mornings will not fix that because you are outside of Christ, alienated from him, internally. Pro- you have a proclivity towards sin by nature. You are a hater of God. Listen, when you hear unbelievers say things about God that are cute and nice, and am so like, well, that's kind of, he gave God more credit than I expected there. No, 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 no. You're not getting it. It's because they have fabricated a God after their own image. And so they've removed some of the holiness of God and the he hates sin and the realities of eternal punishment. And they've ended up with a God that is not too offensive to them. And that's the God they're speaking about. The true God? The true God? Oh, their deeds are showing the fact that they are hostile against the true God, the God that is We need way more, way more than like a 10-step formula to improvement and some grit and determination and New Year's resolutions to fix that mess. I told someone um, two days ago, uh, my friends came over on Friday, and um, I told them how I've been doing this intermittent fasting on and off, I was like, but you know what? I've just decided I'm getting back on it, seriously. I um, said, so this is not a New Year's resolution, this is a mid-March resolution. And he laughed, deep belly, you know, like a, like a big laugh, and he goes like, oh, those are the most useless ones, <laughs> mid-year ones, those go nowhere. New Year ones at least have some more hope. This guy has a bit more hope, not about his fasting, right? But as far as his sanctification, that goes beyond my two new resolutions and determinations. Keep reading in chapter 1 and see what it says. It says in verse 22. Well, it goes on verse 22. He has now reconciled. You who were once upon a time, all those things, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is what you once upon a time were. Notice what you will be when you stand before him. holy. Doing evil deeds is the conclusion over here. Doing evil deeds. That's what you once were. Doing evil deeds. Listen to how this story for the Christian ends. It ends with you being holy, blameless, and above reproach. What's the journey, saints? Well, oh, the journey is right inside those few verses, right inside there. In Him. In Him. This Christ has reconciled you who was once upon a time alienated. He has allowed you who was afar off to be brought near by him, in him. It is through the work that he did on the cross, the crucifixion, the, the, the tearing apart of his body, it is through our union with him that we have now become new beings. So that where we were once upon a time hostile towards this God, we have become something entirely different. Those evil deeds is not what we are pursuing. He's brought us nigh. He has made us his own. We have been united with him in his death burial and in his resurrection. This is how now as new creatures, as new beings, we are pursuing an entirely different life. If we are going to grow, if we are going to grow, we have to know ourselves. We once upon a time were something. We are no longer that anymore. In Christ Jesus, we have become something brand new. Go back to chapter 2. And keep listening to what he's saying about us. He's saying this. I'm going to do a longish portion here. From verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Don't try and inform me with anything. I want to be re-educated about who I am in accordance to Christ. Listen to verse 9. For in him... in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to shame by triumphing over them in Him. Here's a church being tempted to be told, hey, hey, hey you become more spiritual, you become more holy. By observing the commandments of the Old Testament, by giving yourself to the rules and regulations of the Old Testament, by circumcision perhaps, by all of these external activities, Paul is saying, no, Jesus is enough. Don't let this idea of being very spiritual by getting circumcised to allure you, no, Christ himself, The shedding of his blood, the crushing of his body is your circumcision. That's the thing that identifies you as belonging to him. Not a certain dress code or a certain lingo or a certain. No. Jesus is your identity. This is your Jewishness. The fact that in Christ you can claim the very circumcision that Jews are claiming. Therefore, he's able to say, verse 16, let no one pass judgment. Verse, 19, verse 18, let no one disqualify you. Don't try and point me to anything other than Jesus. He is my identity. He is my all in all. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. What has this been for us now? We who can claim that even though we were once upon a time afar off, we've been brought nigh. We who were once upon a time hostile towards God. We've been made children of God. We who were once upon a time sinners, We have been cleansed and sanctified and forgiven. It goes beyond just the forgiveness of sins. In verse 3 it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Who are you? There's no way of understanding as a Christian who you are without understanding who Christ is. Because all that you are as a Christian is hidden in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ did not give you a couple of things. He did not give you some forgiveness and then gave you some righteousness. That's a flawed understanding of Christianity. No. Here's what Christ did for you. He united you to himself. So everything that is in Christ is yours. Christ's life is your life. Christ's death is your death. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection. Christ's glory is your glory. That's what Christianity is. That far off place where we were, we did not just need Christ to come and help us out a little bit. We needed him to come and identify himself with us entirely. So that what we end up getting is a whole lot more than the help that we think we need. We think we are 20% there, we just need a little bit of help. No. He comes and he grants us that forgiveness that we need, that justification that we need, reconciliation that we need, but he gives us so much more. Because our salvation becomes all of his life. So when he comes back in glory... All of the glory that belongs to Jesus is given to who now? To us. We become partakers of the very glory of God. Because the way in which he chose to save us was by uniting us to himself. That's why he's telling us saints, listen, don't let anything else tempt you as far as putting your hope in it. Nothing will ever compare to the glory that belongs to me, to me. My glory is what I have given to you. Notice a second element of knowing yourself. After he says all those glorious things, he says this verse 5 Put to death the things that are earthly in you. That's still about you. That's where we oftentimes get confused. Put to death the things that are earthly in who? In you. Not only are these truths, these glorious truths true about you, there is something else true about you. In you, there are still things that are earthly. Forgiven you, resurrected you, soon to be glorious you. You, there are still things that are earthly in you. There is no wisdom about sanctification that comes without a proper understanding of who you are are. Two dangers that you're trying to avoid. Danger number one, assuming that because you are a Christian, because you're a Christian, things are supposed to be easy. Because I have been united to Christ, it is death, burial, and resurrection. Because I am a new creature, stuff is meant to be easy. Amen? So we should be surprised with struggle. Because that's not how it's meant to be. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be tempted. There, I'm tempted. I shouldn't feel the things I'm feeling. That's not a true understanding of yourself. Colossians is speaking about you in terms none of us in this room understand yet, as far as glory. There are such mind blowing realities about what we have become in Christ. We could spend our whole lives meditating on just a couple of verses in Colossians to grasp the heights to which we have been raised to in Christ. And at the same time, in this world, in this flesh, you're being told there's stuff that's earthly in you. Oh, saints, we have one of two options. This is how we approach sanctification. It's one of the two either, oh, I'm a Christian, I don't struggle with any of that stuff. I've been so sanctified, I've grown in such maturity that for me now it's easy. It's easy. Your little babes are still struggling out there. This is KVC. Don't speak Sheng here. And by <laughs> apologies. What I meant is we have arrived. We, we have now arrived. We've attained. Mm -mm. that's option one a view of sanctification that says I will grow and when I become mature it will feel easy so then because it does not feel easy you're surprised and what do you think, you think line number two you think then that must mean I'm not a Christian something is wrong with me something is wrong with me I'm not like other people in church I am struggling with very carnal things. That's not how Paul speaks. Paul says, Listen, when you became a Christian, Christ invaded, invaded the very soul of your souls, the very being of your beings. The most essential part of who you are. And that has been totally changed. You are saved. You are a new creature. And that part will live forever and ever and ever and ever with him. But listen, that part of you still lives in a thing called the flesh. And that flesh is still alive. That flesh has been taught for many, many years before you became a Christian on how to think. And that means a war has begun that did not, be, that did not exist before where once upon a time you were alienated, hostile, and doing evil deeds, God, Christ, has invaded that darkness, that kingdom, and he has redeemed you, and he has established his throne. And guess what's going on now? War. That's what's going on now. That means that your flesh is fighting against the spirit in you, trying to pull you down. And that's going to go on until you die. That war does not mean you're not saved. That war does not mean you're not saved. You don't even look to the presence and existence of that war for your assurance. You look to Christ for your assurance. And you say, He came, He lived, He died, He rose again. I'm a Christian. That's my only hope. That's my only confidence. That's my only boast. And you realize, look at this flesh. In it still exists all of these things. Listen to the list. It's not cute. (laughs) Put to death, therefore, the things that are earthly in you. What's earthly in you? Oh, good-looking saints this Sunday morning. (laughs) Sexual immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry on account of this. The wrath of God is coming. let continues. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. let continues. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, and it's not done. Attendelier, saints. Here's how you fight. Know yourself. Once upon a time. I walked in these things, once upon a time I was these things, because I was alienated from God, because internally I was hostile to God. I am no longer that, so that even though these things are still in me, I do something with them that I did not used to do back in the day. Now I fight, not to earn my salvation, not to make myself acceptable before God, no. I fight because I have been given salvation. I fight because I have been made acceptable to God in Christ. I fight because I've been given new desires. I no longer have to sin. That power has been broken. I now can put up a resistance to sin. And so I fight from that place. On and on and on. I put to death. Know yourself. So where are you? Are you expecting life to be easy? I'm closing my Bible. Don't get hope. We're not yet done. We have another point to go. Where are you at? Are you at a place where you expect life to be easy? Sanctification to be easy? And then you're surprised when it's not. Please get out of that. That's not a biblical understanding of sanctification. Two realities about you. I'm not asking you how carnal and dark and hard the desires you're struggling with are. I'm asking you, do you know what you are in Christ? This morning, despite that, that he saw all of that ugliness and sin and weakness, and he still came after you, pursued you, died for you. Do you understand that your standing before God is not measured on the basis of your performance this last week? It's not measured on how you feel. Do you feel very close to God or not? Oh my goodness, it's so much more objective. It is immutable. Because Christ's work in history will never be changed. Your standing before him is guaranteed, it is assured on the basis of who Jesus is and is not surprised at all by the things that are earthly in you. Or oh, he knows them way better than you do. But if you understand that there are things that are earthly in you that are so dangerous, so dangerous, so anti-God that God says it is because of those things that the wrath of who? Wrath of God itself is going to be revealed. Those things are not like light, small things. Sin is ugly. If we understand that still, then it means that we walk with a watchfulness, isn't it? With a guardedness, with an attention. Not a carelessness, but rather a sober-mindedness that understands sin is outside there. Oh my goodness, sin is inside here. I must not give my flesh any room, any ground. It will take every inch that I give to it. No sanctification apart from knowledge of self. The next one is a short point. Know his will. In fact, look at one verse right inside here. As he's speaking to them about this, look at verse 10 of chapter 3. Chapter, 10, chapter 3, verse 10. What's this new life? What's his sanctification looking like? And have put on the new self and which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here's the reality about you. Here's the new reality about you. Something is happening to you right now. What is happening to you? You're being renewed in what? Knowledge. You are being renewed in knowledge. This is what sanctification looks like. One know yourself. I used to be one thing. I'm no longer that thing. I am in Christ, but even though I'm in Christ, I still have earthly things in me. My assurance is the fact that I'm in Christ. My watchfulness, attention, guardedness, war, is on the basis of things that are earthly in me are still there. Two, no God, no His will. His will is huge. Any time the Bible speaks about the mystery, the mystery. Ephesians has a ton of stuff in chapter one. What's God up to? What's God doing? What is His will? Not His will about whether you get that job you applied for or not. I'm sure that's part of it because his will is hyper-integrate. It encapsulates everything. But in chapter 1, it speaks about how God is reconciling all things to himself. Think about sexual immorality as an example, one of the things that he mentioned. Notice how he he summarizes those sins as what? Which is what? Did you see that? A long list of sins and he says, which is what? Which is idolatry. Kind of summarizes them like that. Do you know what all these sins are? All all those things are simply this. Worship of a false god. All those things are simply a rejection of who God is. Do you know what sanctification looks like? Me knowing who I am and me fighting. I am fighting on the basis of a proper understanding, of a proper knowledge, a biblical knowledge about all things. Sexual immorality. For such a long time, we have been bombarded, we have been walking in a lie. Adverts, movies, cultures are all saying sex aside of marriage is, is casual, it's, it's, it's fun, has no implications. It can be had with anyone, with no cause for concern. That's simply every single movie out there. It's saying that to you. We've managed to kind of work our way around it, right? I still enjoy the movie. But in reality, it's saying the same same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. It's teaching you. You're in class, by the way. Take out your pens and write. That's what's going on. Version of knowledge about all those things. Whether it's the new iPhone, Coming out, is those of you who are waiting, I know you're out there, this is KVC. Your freedom to say certain things inside here. And it's a I love an iPhone. I have an iPhone, I have too many Apple gadgets actually. But they're offering you hope, aren't they? If you just get this new one, it's whatever, it's ten times faster. And it's the it's fifty times clearer. And it's zoomless. It's zoomless, zoom-lens, whatever. And your heart says what? Oh my goodness. This is the coming of Jesus. This is, this is the new heavens and the new earth. You don't say it that way. You don't say it that way. But your hope starts standing that way. You start putting all of this anticipation, expectation of joy and order and redemption in a gadget or a car or a house, or a retirement amount, or whatever it is. That's the world. Not just sexual immorality, but all of these things. It is all teaching you. It is all catechizing you. It is all making you an offer. It is saying, this is how to understand X. Listen to what the Christian does. Here's what the Christian is. He's one a new creature, even though he has earthly things in him. And he is on a journey of sanctification that is being described as a renewal A recatechizing. A growth in understanding. There is no progress forward apart from knowledge. Chapter 1, we don't have time to read it. Please read it for yourself. Please. Here's what chapter 1 is saying. Verse 15. Jesus is everything. Can we just summarize it that way? Jesus is better. Can we say that together? Jesus is? Jesus is? That's the point here. In the church in, Col- in Colossae, it's, it's whatever it is. They didn't have iPhones. Eh? It's whatever it is. Put your hope in this. Put your boast in this. Point that Paul is making is Jesus is better, but it goes beyond that. Listen, this creation belongs to who? God made all of this. God made all of this. So often in our sanctification, here's what we've been taught. a moralism, that's how I've grown up, moralism, that basically says all other things are evil, just read your Bible. So that becoming a good Christian and sanctification means say no, 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 no. The longer your list of things you're saying no to, the more holy you are. Amen? A nice looking car, you're starting to And At went on vacation, where? Vito Zadunia. The things of earth. Movies? No. This? No. This? No. This? Music? No. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible is teaching you. I have to read it. I think I have five minutes. Let's read. You have to read this. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all all creation. If you mark down the number of times the word all is used, it's pretty awesome. Just all. Devil owns nothing, by the way. Owns nothing. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and him he owns it all but notice this verse 17 and he is what he is before all things nothing that has been created by him is more awesome than him is better than him nothing He's before all things and in him all things hold together Marriage. Sex. Genesis 2. Who made it? Who made it? God did. Not playboy. God made it. God did. And he made it for the covenant of marriage. As a celebration of one fleshness. Of the union that they have entered into. Let's continue. Let's continue the story. God made this it is from him and through him and to him. We keep reading about that narrative. Chapter 5 of, of, of Ephesians. This beautiful union called marriage and the covenant is but a what? Is but a sign. It's a mystery. Pointing to who? To Jesus. To Jesus. To Christ and the church. This means that this gift that God has given to marriage at its height, the best form possible, is but a sign, a shadow, a faint taste of the pleasure that God has called us to in himself. The pleasure that God's people will know in Christ forever and ever and ever. Food, who likes food in here? I'm KVC, I have so much freedom today. This is, I'm sure half of you guys are foodies. My wife is a foodie. I did not know the word foodie until I met my wife. I grew up in Ngatarongai. Mtura is the food we eat there. And things called Ngumus, Ngumus. Explain these things in the future for you. You come to church for there. Great food is great, isn't it? It's awesome. It's awesome. And You put a, a spoonful of whatever it is. I, I use the illustration of mandazis when I preach the salmon last. And the nice ones, the, the coastal ones, right? That are like manna. <laughs> they melt in your mouth. And your, your, your taste buds are activated. And certain parts of your taste buds that have been dead their whole life because of your githeri eating are awakened. And there's, a, there's music going on in your mouth. It's music. There's another no word for it. It's like an orchestra has broken out in there. And you're just like, mm. the texture, the different spices, the aftertaste that can't come until you've actually swallowed and then a, a- lingering, the aroma that's coming both through your mouth and, and, and also through your nostrils because of that. That's awesome. Who made this? This is all a gift from who? Can you imagine that God was so good that he made you with tespas to experience all of that? He could have created mankind with an IV thing over here. Just stick it and get the juice for the day and move on. God didn't do that. God in his beauty, in his amazingness, created a creation with all of that, giving us that ability. That's from God, not Satan. So when I eat my mandazi, what am I supposed to think? How amazingly good was that mandazi? And how good is God that in his providence he led me to this house? (laughs) And in his eternal plans he gave me these taste buds. And an ability to be able to delight in something as small and even silly as a mandazi. Saints, How much more is who? Is Jesus? Is God? Compared to a mandazi? This God who gave me these taste buds, he created can in his whole being for himself. So that in the enjoyment of this little mandazi over here, I can experience a goodness that points me to the eternal, the divine goodness of God. Oh my goodness, it beats the goodness of a mandazi, doesn't it? What does sanctification look like? Avoid mandazis, they're bad for you. We are Christians, we only drink soup. That's morality, that's moralism, that's moralism. Oh, you never take a trip out of Nairobi, you never see creation, it's beauty. You don't enjoy food or a certain drink or anything. No, it is no, 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 no. You're giving the devil way too much power, saints as my mind is being renewed in knowledge, it says this, you know what? All of these things are created by God, through God, for God. I don't need to take a mandazi and have a whole bucket of mandazis. That's confusion. That's confusion, saints. You're using creation the way it was never meant to be used. I'm a Christian. I don't need to give myself over to gluttony. What can I do? Enjoy my mandazis. I won't give you a number. You always want numbers? (laughs) Eat your mandazis and move on. Isn't that the same truth about sex? I wasn't made for it. The world has basically done the very same thing we are saying about a bucket of mandazis with that gift from God of sex. And it is advertising and yelling from the rooftops. More and more and more of it. This type and that type and this. And there's a self-destruction that is coming to humanity because of that. The saint is able to say, I don't have to have it. If God calls me to singlehood, I don't have to have it. Because it is a signpost pointing to God. If I live the rest of my life without eating another mandazi, it does not mean that God has denied me of goodness. Because goodness comes from who? From himself. I'll read one last verse and we'll pray. Listen to this, how how Colossians chapter 3 ends. Actually, it doesn't end, but this section ends that we're we're looking at. When it's speaking about sanctification, listen to how it's concluding it. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Are you seeing how visual vision of sanctification is meant to be? If chapter one is saying that in Christ, what things? Some things? The church things. Uh-uh. All things belong to him. I cannot grow in my sanctification without understanding the knowledge of God's will revealed and for all things. So that one of the things that is happening to, to, happening to me as a new creature Point number one, know yourself. One of the things that's happened to me as a new creature is that I am growing in knowledge of how to relate to all things. All things. That's what I need. I I cannot survive with a few rules. Don't do and don't do and don't do and don't do. I need to have an all-encompassing vision for all things. And realize that they are all from him. They are all through him. They are all once again back to him again. So I don't need to misuse them. I don't need to overuse them. I don't need to to replace God with them. No. A proper use of them. I love football. There can be something like too much of it, isn't it? Doesn't mean I am less holy because I like football. But I can watch it and then I can say, Not tonight, because tomorrow is church. Amen. I will wake up tomorrow morning and check the scores. What gives me the power to do that is to be able to watch a game like that, actually enjoy it, and simply be able to say, But this is not my source for everything. My entire hope does not lie on whether my team wins or loses. You can look at all of the things that the world is begging you with, pleading you, and you can say, you know what? I am already in Christ. And in Christ, all of the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. That means I am complete in him. My experience of all other things in life simply helps me delight in him more, simply helps me enjoy him more. He is what I need. He is what I want. He is my joy, my peace, my hope, my boast, my confidence, my all in all. Be ye sanctified, saints, by knowing who you are and by understanding his will for all things. That we would not be those who use creation to replace the creator, but rather use creation to magnify and glorify the creator. Father, we pray that you would help us towards this end. We have been taught by our flesh and this world for a long, long time, a different way to think. And we need your help. We plead with you that through the songs that we sing, the word-filled, the scripture-filled songs that we sing, through the teaching and admonishing of one another in the church, that you would allow our minds to be renewed so that as new creatures, we would begin to function in this creation as you meant us to function, as we long and anticipate the coming of that new creation. We ask that you would accomplish these things for your glory in your church. In your son's name we pray. Amen.